Welcome in to Stacking the Box. It's a little new, it's different, but hopefully you still enjoy. Matt Verderam off to SI. So I'm still here, Sterling Holmes, now joined by Ian McMillan. You can follow him on Twitter at Ian McBets. Ian, I'm loving this. We got a new little iteration here. We go from a New York accent now to a Canadian accent. How you doing? I'm doing well. Unfortunately, it's a a horse Canadian accent for the first show. Uh, starting off strong with a little Jordan flu game for myself. I'm battling through the trenches today uh, on the back end of a flu. My voice is hurting, but I'm happy to be here. Uh, big shoes to fill with Matt Verderam gone. Uh, we'll all miss him, of course, over at SI. Uh, I did a couple betting-related shows of him and Stacking the Box channel throughout the NFL playoffs, so some faces out there might might recognize me, but I'm happy to be here with you, Sterling. I'm happy to talk NFL from more than just a betting standpoint, because that's usually what I talk about, but... I have more things to say about the NFL than just from a betting standpoint. So I'm excited to get into it. A lot of news coming out today. Yeah, just so you know, the flu, you may think you just randomly picked it up. No, we know where it came from. This is a test, Ian. This is a test to see how you battle through the flu. Okay, We're, we, we, we go all in on stacking the box. We take this very seriously. <laughs> yeah, and I'm also, I'm sweating too. I'm cold but hot at the same time. I'm sweating. You're going to see sweat dripping off my face. I do have a tea here with some honey in it. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to battle through it. Speaking of sweating, that's what Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are doing right now. They're playing a game of chicken. It's going to go down to the wire. Probably three to four hours after we finish this show, we might have some more clarity. But right now, it seems like the Ravens are content letting Lamar Jackson go directly up to the final timer on the will they won't they? And what type of franchise tag will be put on Lamar? Yeah, and I, I, I've been, and actually this is another point that we didn't bring up. Uh, we're finally getting some non-Chiefs voices on the show here, uh, which is good. Uh, you might be able to tell if you're watching this, the helmet in my background, the Atlanta Falcons. I'm a Falcons fan, and I've said this since the start of the offseason. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if Lamar Jackson is going to sign, what is it, a non-exclusive franchise tag? Is that is is that what it is, or... I don't know what's going to happen. He's going to end up in Atlanta. Lamar Jackson's going to be a Falcon uh, at the start of the next season. That's how I felt. And even the reports coming out are saying uh, if teams do try to give Lamar Jackson an offer, the Ravens probably aren't going to match it. One of the teams is the Falcons. I think that's where he's going to end up when it's all said and done. Now, once again, like you said, in three hours time, I might you know, look and sound kind of stupid already, but... I think he's going to end up being a Falcon. I will say this. If there's ever a time to use the non-exclusive tag, this is it. Lamar Jackson's not finishing seasons. Yes, he won an MVP, but what has his success been in the playoffs? I think Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback, but you've seen the ceiling at this point with Lamar in the Ravens system. The team is built around him, and he was on a rookie deal. What happens now when the contract rises up? You think you couldn't get receivers to begin with? Good luck getting them now. I think if there's ever a time to place the non-exclusive tag, this is it. The Ravens would then return two first-round draft picks to them. Yes. Yes. Throw the non-exclusive on him. Let another team go up and bid and take him away from you. And then you end up with two first-round draft picks. That's the move to me. Yeah, and I think... So there, there we go. That's the path. I think non-exclusive. Then I think the, the Falcons come in and get him. The Falcons have the cap space. They've been in cap hell for the past couple of years because of Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. They completely got freed up now this offseason. And to be honest, at the start of the offseason, I hated the idea of them, them getting Lamar Jackson. But the more I think about it, the more I actually 
kind of like it as a Falcons fan because our offensive system is kind of built perfect for Lamar Jackson because we tried to run kind of a similar offense last season with Marcus Mariota. Now the issue was Marcus Mariota stinks, so it didn't really work. But that was very uh, that was a run first offense. Uh, but we have the weapons where we can attack teams deep. We try to Marcus Mariota just threw the ball five yards past them every single time. But Drake London, Kyle Pitts. We got some offensive weapons that Lamar Jackson maybe hasn't necessarily had throughout his NFL career. And also our offensive line, not the best pass protection offensive line, but one of the better run blocking offensive lines out there. And then we got, you know, Cordero Patterson in the mix, Tyler Algier, one of the better underrated rookies. I believe he got a thousand yards rushing this past season. This offense might actually, for Lamar Jackson's sake, be his, his personal best situation to go into. So I hated the idea uh, as a Falcons fan of getting Lamar Jackson at the start of the offseason. I kind of like it now. I think it could work. But my biggest issue and concern is it, if the Falcons do land him is obviously the health issues. But this is another reason why I've actually slowly started to accept it and like it more because Sterling, I don't know if you read that report that came out of like players like grading teams and the Ravens have been getting torched for their trainers and their ability to keep uh, their players healthy and their physical therapy. So maybe the Lamar Jackson injury issues are as much to blame on the Ravens training staff than it is on Lamar Jackson's ability to just stay healthy. So maybe in a completely different organization, maybe he doesn't have those late season injuries. Uh, Atlanta also needs a superstar. They need a guy. Atlanta, yeah. we know that they like their superstars. They, they were exciting when they had Michael Vick. They'll be exciting with Lamar Jackson. They rally around those guys. Not only that, they're one of the few teams that needs help selling tickets. Almost any other team in the NFL, you look around, it's sold out, sold out, sold out. They have a waiting list. Atlanta, not the case. They, they need some excitement, and they're in a poor division. Sorry to break it to you, Ian, but you know as well as anyone, that division stinks. Yep. They're cheeks. You get a good quarterback, or at least a, a – next-level guy who can take you to just one step higher, two steps higher, you're probably making the playoffs. Yeah. In Baltimore, that's not happening. In Baltimore, you got to get through Cincinnati, and that's just in your own division. Go outside of the AFC, just go outside of that division. you got the Chiefs, you have the Bills, you have whatever Miami's going to do. You have uh, the Chargers, if they improve, you have the Jaguars. You go in the NFC, that's not the case. You might – win your division you might host a playoff game you might be able to make it one or two games deep into the playoffs yeah this makes sense for atlanta as well as lamar jackson yeah the nfc is wide open you got the eagles you got the 49ers i mean who knows what the 49ers gonna do quarterback and then who the cowboys and then that's it obviously we're gonna talk about aaron Rodgers. well maybe he ends up and stays in green bay maybe not that could change things as well so yeah, Lamar Jackson to the Falcons. I'm about it now, but yeah, we'll see. I think the path to that is uh, the non-exclusive franchise tag, and then the Falcons swoop in and get him. So right now, just for everyone listening, the exclusive tag projected to cost $45 million. That allows Baltimore to control Jackson's contract rights next year in 2023, as well as any trade talks. The non-exclusive tag, which is what we are talking about, is less expensive at $32.4 million, but that allows Lamar to speak to other teams and it gives the Ravens the right to match any offer sheet or take two first-round picks as compensation for losing Lamar. And again, I think we're on the same page here. That non-exclusive tag makes the most sense. Uh, we'll find out soon, but if I was a betting man, which, Ian, I know you are, 
you'd probably pay uh, put money down on the Ravens to use that non-exclusive tag. Blow that thing up and start from scratch. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Uh, let's move on. Derek Carr. Derek Carr signing a large, lucrative deal with the New Orleans Saints. The Saints keep finding money to pay middling quarterbacks, whether it's Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr. They're looking under the couch and they're finding some money. What do you make of Derek Carr going to New Orleans? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I, I mentioned earlier that, uh, that I'm sick. I have a flu. The past two days, I've been doing nothing but sleeping. Last night, I woke up and I was like, whoa, I must have had a fever dream that Derek Carr signed with the Saints. Now people are calling them contenders. Uh, it turns out it wasn't a fever dream. It was real life. This is Derek Carr going to the Saints to me. It, maybe it makes sense, but I don't think it makes them contenders. I don't think it makes them favorites in the NFC South. Uh, the Saints' biggest issue last year uh, was turnovers. 26 in the NFL in turnovers per game, averaging 1.5. Second last in the NFL, an average turnover margin. Uh, if you include takeaways on defense as well, minus 0.6 point, uh, tur- uh, average turnover margin per game. Now you get Derek Carr who since 2017 has had the most turnovers of any quarterback in the NFL with 94. He doesn't fix the turnover issues in New Orleans. He's just going to, if anything, make them worse. And still, like, who is he going to throw to? Is is Michael Thomas coming back? What's going on with Michael Thomas? If not, he has Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. Like, that's not Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams like he had last year, and he still didn't have that good of a year. So, sure, it kind of makes sense in the – in the sense that the Saints needed the quarterback and Derek Carr needed the team. But I don't think Derek Carr is going to be better. I think he's going to be worse. And I don't think that's going to make the Saints all of a sudden a contender in the NFC. He's going to make their turnover problems even worse. Uh, I think he makes them the contender in the NFC South as it stands right now. As it stands right now, uh, they're not contenders in the NFC, though. What this does is probably wins them the NFC South. Again, as it stands right now, if Lamar goes to Atlanta, all bets are off. If you win eight games right now, you're winning that division. Derek Carr on this Saints team wins eight games plus. That's where I'm at. Now, once you get into the the playoffs, you're at least probably hosting a game, right, because you won your division. But I don't see them making any noise Uh, Derek Carr's contract is a four-year deal, uh, could potentially be worth up to $150 million. Uh, He receives 60 fully guaranteed at signing, another $10 million once he starts year three of the deal. Then he earns $60 million in the first two years of the deal. The Saints finished 7-10 and last year with a combination of what? Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. Both dudes were brutal. We can at least agree he's better than those two guys. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. I would have liked to see Jameis Winston get, get a, get a fair shot of things. I don't know why they kept going with Andy Dalton, but yeah, still regardless, I'd say, yeah, he's better than those two. 
And that's where I stand. I think he's worth at least one or two wins over those two guys. The team's going to be a little different, but Michael Thomas wasn't playing last year either way. Chris Olave, we expect to uh, grow even more so. I'm not saying the Saints are a great team, but I'm saying that division is so bad. As it stands on uh, March 7th at 11-12 Central, they're winning that division. Listen, sometimes my bias is going to come into it. You'll never see me admit that the New Orleans Aints are going to win the NFC South. I don't care who they sign as the quarterback. But let's not, let's, not, let's not sleep on Desmond Ritter. If the Falcons don't get Lamar Jackson, let's not sleep on Desmond Ritter. He had a good end of the season last year. There's a couple of good games. Come on. <laughs> I, 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 am, I am fast asleep. I am in my what? Uh, REM sleep mode right now. That's where I'm at on Desmond Ritter. Uh, the Saints entered the offseason more than $50 million over the expected 2023 salary cap. Uh, and that's before this Derek Carr signing. So the Saints keep kicking the can down the road. Uh, we always say the salary cap is real. The folks that say the salary cap are, isn't real, well, they just keep pointing to the New Orleans Saints because they keep right. finding ways because they're, you know, Jameis, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr. By the way, Taysom Hill, not a quarterback, but still paying him close to QB money. Uh, it's insane the amount the Saints are over the cap. I, I don't know how they keep doing this. It's not going to look good in the future. It's kind of why Sean Payton left. Part of the reason why Sean Payton left was I'm getting out of this cap hell. Well, they keep doubling and now tripling down on these decisions. Eventually, who are they going to be playing? You, me, and maybe Verderham will come back. He might get paid at least $8 million to go play wide receiver on the Saints. Yeah, but I mean, like people keep saying that about the Saints, that the cap's going to come back and haunt them at some point, but it, it keeps not haunting them. So I'm part of the group. Like, is the cap real? How, how do they even make this signing? How are they going to make it work? Well, I don't understand the cap. That's in over my head. I'm not a contract guy. I don't know how they can make it work. But I feel like it's been the same story for like five years about the Saints. Eventually, it's going to come to bite them. We, we've, we've seen it. We, we, we've seen it with other teams. We've seen it with teams uh, where they've had to release guys. We've right. seen it with teams where eventually it comes up. It might not be this year. It might not be next year. But eventually, they'll have to start releasing guys. Uh, I want to talk about Geno Smith really quickly because Geno Smith signed a three-year, $105 million extension with the Seattle Seahawks, $52 million in the first year. This is wild. Good for Geno Smith battling back. You know, he was almost out of the NFL. Yes. Looked like he was done. Gets a chance in Seattle. And even up until week one, I thought potentially Drew Locke should have been the starter. But Geno Smith proved me wrong. He proved almost everyone wrong. He didn't write back like he's like he mentioned week one after that victory. And now he's $105 million richer. What do you make of Geno signing this lucrative deal? Yeah, good for him. Obviously, it's a feel-good story. Comeback player of the year. Led the NFL in completion percentage this season. Uh, and once again, my kind of shortcoming here in off-season NFL talk is I'm not a big contract guy. I don't fully dive into them and understand how they work. But from my understanding, just from reading a couple tweets, uh, is that the contract is somewhat front-loaded. So it's kind of a good contract for the Seahawks as well, where uh, if things don't work out after one season, I think it's a little bit easier for them to get out of it after that as opposed to some massive, huge, long-term contract. Don't quote me on that. But I think not only is this good for the Seahawks, I think the contract does kind of favor – or not only is it good for Geno Smith, I think it does kind of favor the Seahawks as well. Because, yeah, 
he had a good season, but it was one good season. I, I wouldn't want to lock him into any kind of long-term huge money contract um, moving forward. So I, I think it's good for both sides. Yeah, that, that first year is $52 million, so just under half of the contract comes right. in that first year. After that, obviously you're dropping down to, if you're breaking it down, about $25 million per season. 26 million per season. So, yes, very, very front loaded for Gino. They had the cap space this year to make it happen. It works well for both teams. I'm just shocked. Gino Smith is a fine quarterback, but it wasn't like he was an elite quarterback this year. It was great that he had a above average season, but I still wouldn't put him in there with Derek Carr. He's not as good as Dak Prescott. He's not as good as Kirk Cousins. He's still behind those dudes in my mind, but you're getting paid. And this is the going rate for quarterbacks, which shows the chiefs have the best deal in the NFL with a contract that was given to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you look around and Daniel Jones is winning 45 plus million per season. That's asinine. That's unreal. You're looking at what Russell Wilson's getting. You're looking at the Deshaun Watson contract. You just look around. The going rate for quarterbacks is insane. Then you look in Kansas city, you look at Mahomes. That deal is fantastic for both parties. <laughs> I just laugh because I know this podcast before with Matt Verderam and now me talking to you. It's a big Chiefs love fest. Now I'm going to turn heel and I know there's a lot of Chiefs fans that probably it's watch this show. Fest, but it's true. Come on. Oh, you, you're sitting here talking about Desmond me. Ritter. Don't sleep on Desmond Ritter. And now oh. you're going to say that the Mahomes contract isn't isn't a, a, a good deal for Kansas City? Oh, I know it's a good deal. But I, I need – come on. I don't, I'm just sick of hearing about the Chiefs. Yeah, you're right. It's a very good deal, obviously, for Patrick Mahomes. But to go back to Geno Smith, I do like how you twisted this into uh, – into, it was a topic about Geno Smith. You twisted into love for the Chiefs and how great of an organization they are. That's what I'm laughing at. But – the thing with Geno Smith and the Seahawks is that there's what, like three, four, five, like all-star great quarterbacks. If you have a guy who's as good as Geno Smith, you may as well just sign him again to this type of a contract because they're not going to get a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or a Joe Burrow right now. So what's what, what's your next best option? Uh, I guess they could have gotten the sweepstakes for Derek Carr. Uh, they don't really have a high enough draft pick to get one of the top quarterbacks. Uh, so yeah, just Go back with Geno Smith. Give him another shot. Hey, maybe he takes another step forward and does improve this upcoming season. Um, you said it, he's maybe not quite at the level of the Dak Prescotts and Kirk Cousins. He's not far, far off. Uh, he did, like I said, lead the NFL in completion percentage this season. So, uh, yeah, they're not going to get a, an elite quarterback like a Patrick Mahomes. So why not just give Geno Smith an, a, another shot? One concern was down the stretch, turnovers became an issue as he threw yes. seven That's of his true. 11 interceptions over the final seven games of the year. Yes. Uh, he did admit he was trying to do too much, but that would be slightly concerning if he was coming back down to earth. Yes. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Look at into the future because I want to talk about this. Do the Saints make the playoffs with Derek Carr? And if you say yes, do they win a playoff game during his tenure there? We'll just go with the current contract of four years, all right? So basically four years of Derek Carr. One, do they make the playoffs? Two, if so, do they win a playoff game with him there? No, they don't make the playoffs. And no, they don't obviously win a playoff game if that's the case. Uh, I talked uh, about it before when we talked about Derek Carr. The Saints' biggest issues was turnovers this year. And now they got the quarterback that gives up the ball the most. Amongst all NFL quarterbacks dating back to 2017, he does not fix that issue. He makes that issue worse. Um, 
Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, maybe right now with the way things stand, maybe the Saints have the best roster in the NFC. Uh, I don't know. Even I don't completely sleep on the Panthers either. The Panthers defense was extremely good this past season. Uh, And if the Falcons get Lamar Jackson, they're the favorites. Even I know we are laughing at it, but I'm serious. I'm going to say don't completely sleep on Desmond Ritter. He improved each of his four starts. He improved at the end of last year. I Sure, set the Saints as favorites in the division, but it's not a big favorite. It's not just, oh, they're going to win the division, case closed. It's going to be close. The team that wins it is probably going to have eight, nine wins, but I'm not just automatically going to hand it to the Saints. And let's say they do win the division and do host a playoff game. We can admit it's that the NFC South is the worst division in the NFC. So the wild card team, there's probably a pretty good chance that whoever they play in the wild card round when they host a game is probably going to be better than the winner of the NFC South and probably going to be favored if you look at the betting lines. So even if the Saints do win the NFC South, they're not going to win a playoff game. I don't know if you're giving enough credit to Derek Carr. He had oh. a, a bad season last year, but obviously Kansas City, we've, we watch almost every game to begin with, but we watch every game of the Raiders as well. We see him, you know, game in and game out. He is a great leader, right? He's the anti-Aaron Rodgers. He wanted to be in Oakland, and then Vegas. Rodgers, for the past few seasons, keeps doing this, will he or won't he? Derek Carr is a guy that that team rallied around and a team that fans rally around. Now, does that mean a lot in terms of wins or losses? Didn't show so. But I think he's a guy that he walks in, and that team, they believe in. They they will believe that they have gotten better. While they did have a down year last year, especially him himself, Darren Waller and Renfro missed a good chunk of that year. Devontae Adams is great. He had, yeah, he had the best receiver in the NFL and he couldn't get it done. He had a terrible year with the best receiver in the NFL. Poor offensive line, which we mentioned ad nauseum going into this year. The Raiders went from one of the best O lines a couple of years ago to one of the worst. And they focused more on the run game this year with Josh Jacobs. If I had a, a guy who I thought would bounce back in a big way, I think Derek Carr, I'd put some money on. Now, I know this is probably weird coming from a Kansas City guy talking so highly of Derek Carr, but after seeing him just game in and game out, there's talent there. Not elite talent, but I do think he's better than than Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins. I think you're probably looking at him on the back end of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. You're probably looking around 9, 10, maybe as high as 8. You can go to 11. I'll, I'll, I'll entertain it, but he's right there. And that's enough to make the Saints a playoff team in that division. And I do think they win a game at some point because the NFC is so weak in general. You have a home game in New Orleans. It's loud. I think they win a game in the four years that Derek Carr's there. I've been a big Derek Carr guy throughout his career. Even this past season, I thought he was going to be a dark horse MVP candidate. I drafted him in all my fantasy football leagues. And then he had one of his worst seasons with the best receiver in the NFL. It's unforgivable at this point. I don't think now that he goes to the New Orleans, he doesn't have near as many weapons as he had last year. I just don't see how he's going to get better. And also, let's not forget, he's been in the league for quite some some time now. His teams have made the playoffs twice, and he has zero playoff wins. Zero. So he's had time to perform. He's had the weapons, and he hasn't performed. I don't think he's going to do it in New Orleans either. Hmm. I feel like this is your Atlanta uh, homerness coming out right now. But again, right now, the, the NFC South is horrendous. But if the Falcons do get Lamar, if Aaron Rodgers does go to the Panthers, uh, 
that's going to be a big change because the Panthers, as you mentioned, do have a legitimate defense. Their offense is not great, but if they get a good quarterback, that team could take the next step. Let's look into the future. Number two, more likely Rodgers on the Raiders or Rodgers on the Jets. Uh, well, I think as of the news that we heard this morning, I think now it's it's the Jets. I mean, what, what the report is really just that he's been in talk with the Jets. I don't really know what that means to be in talks with the team, but um, I would say the Jets, and I think the Jets might be a little bit of a better fit for him. I know Devontae Adams, obviously, people think he might go to Las Vegas to link up with an old teammate, but um, the Jets, I don't think people uh, completely understand how close they were to being an actual good team last year. They had one of the best, arguably the best defense in the NFL last year, second in opponent yards per play, second in points allowed per game. Only the 49ers allowed fewer points per game than the Jets last season. Aaron Rodgers can go to New York, be with the Jets, have a good defense. He has a ton of good young weapons on offense. I think the Jets make sense for him. And that's I, I would lean that way more over the Raiders. I, I don't know what's going on with the Raiders organization right now. No one knows, man. It's the Raiders. It's what they do. Uh, But when it comes to the Jets, it makes sense on the field. It makes sense Rodgers going to the Jets because I'm with you and I've actually been a proponent and trying to tell people they were a decent quarterback away from easily making the playoffs. They won five games with Zach Wilson. Winning five games with Zach Wilson is a feat, right? They had Joe Flacco, the corpse of Joe Flacco, Mike White, who was always great for one game and then falls off a cliff, and then Zach Wilson. And they almost yep. made the playoffs. I thought if you give him Derek Carr, they were a clear-cut playoff team. You give him Aaron Rodgers, they're easily in the playoffs. The only thing I would have to say is, how does Rodgers handle the New York media? How does he handle those fans when That'd things go wrong? That'll be a disaster. If they lose three games, there's no R-E-L-A-X. You're in Green Bay. You've built up a um, – they, they won a Super Bowl there, right? Like he, he has a lot of backing there in Green Bay. He's done a lot there. They'll listen when you say relax. You go to New York in your first year, you tell New York to relax when they've been dying for any sort of success. That ain't even well. Yeah, that's, that will be, that'll be fun to watch if it does happen, though. From an outside perspective, as yes. <laughs> someone who has no stake in the New York Jets, that'll be fun to watch. <laughs> He'll be going on a darkness retreat in the middle of the yes. season. Uh, before we move on, we mentioned the Panthers a little bit earlier. Any chance you think that he ends up in Carolina? Any chance that all this is a smokescreen once again and he stays in Green Bay? Any wild card team that can make it a, a, a push for him? What's your your gut telling you? My God actually tells me that he's going to stay in Green Bay because um, he's kind of done this song and dance already at least once in his career lately, and he still just ended up back at Green Bay. Um, I just kind of my gut feeling, not really based off anything you know substantial, but I just think he just I think he just stays in Green Bay. I think that's where his heart is. I think he's comfortable there. Uh, I think he just stays in Green Bay. What's interesting about this is if you were the Packers, if I'm the Packers. I tell him to kick rocks. I tell him to, to you're, you're done, man. You had your time. Right. If you did not make a decision by a certain date, you're gone. Jordan Love's entering his fourth year. What's this mean for Jordan Love? Either they have zero faith in Love in general, and they were not going to bring him back no matter what, or they're like, we need to see what he can do, because if not, 
he's going to be a free agent and we might not have any chance to see what he could become. This is a tough decision for the Packers. If I'm the Packers, I say I'm walking. He didn't get it done. You missed the playoffs with him this year. He played in all games. I don't see them all of a sudden having a better team this year. Do you? I don't see the Packers all of a sudden saying, oh, yeah, we're bringing in some big-name free agents along with Aaron Rodgers, and we're making the playoffs this year. I don't see that happening. Yes, that division's not great, and the Vikings should take a step back realistically based on the underlying numbers, but the Packers aren't a good team. They just aren't. With Rodgers or without him, if I'm the Packers, I'm telling them, you're gone, man. I'm done with this. You keep bleeping us around. We're out. I think logically that makes sense, but I think that's I think that's tougher to to do because if you do give up on Rodgers and say, "Listen, we're done with you. It's time to move on," then you're admitting that you're rebuilding, that you're that you have to scrap everything and yes. start from scratch, which is yes. a hard thing to do and a hard thing to admit. Where if you keep Aaron Rodgers, it's like, "All right, I mean, we still have Aaron Rodgers. We can make a run at this. Maybe we can make things work." So it, it, I think it's easier said than done to just say goodbye to what is he, a three-time MVP, and then just admit that, okay, we're going to stink. Now let's start from scratch. It, it's a little hard to do that. While, yes, it's probably the logical right thing to do, it's, it's easier said than done. 100% it is, but sometimes you have to do that. If you want a NBA comparison, the Sixers for so many years kept finishing up as the, the five seed, the six seed, the seven seed, but they were making no noise. And this is with Andre Iguodala as their centerpiece, right? Eventually, they said, we're blowing this team up, and we're starting from scratch. Now you can always make the case that what have they won since then? What has the TTP years done, right? And now no. they finish in third place and still get nothing. Sure, but the point is it's a more exciting team, and you have higher yeah, upside. Yeah. You were never going to win with Andre Iguodala as your superstar right. at that point. Right. I don't think at this point you're ever going to win again with Aaron Rodgers as your centerpiece, as the focal piece on this current iteration of Green Bay. At some point, you have to make the hard decision to blow it up. And I think this is the time, this is the year to blow it up in Green Bay. Uh, Let's look into the future. Number three, scale of one to 10. How confident are you the Chiefs sign Orlando Brown Jr. to an extension? Came out that they were not going to franchise tag him. Uh, Leaves a lot of questions. What's going to happen with Orlando Brown Jr.? So what's your confidence level here? Yeah, you're the Chiefs guy. I'll let you take the lead for the most part on this one. Uh, I would say five because uh, just because we saw that the Chiefs aren't scared to walk away from all-star players. They did it already with Tyreek Hill. Um, so just kind of based on that history, then maybe I'm at a five. But you would know more about me than this, so I'll, I'll let you take it away. What, what are your thoughts? So with Orlando Brown Jr., the reason why I wanted to put this, not just because of Chiefs situation, but because this is a big deal. He's he's right now the best left tackle or would be the best left tackle on their free agent market, okay? Yep. The reason why I think he's back, I think this was a deal done in good faith from Kansas City. So on a scale of 1 to 10, I think it's 7. I don't think he's for sure back, right? I don't think he's for sure back. But I think there was a situation where they knew he was not going to be happy. He was not going to do this on the franchise tag. We're going to – we're going to – offer you a contract in good faith. If you want to see what other teams offer you, go right ahead. But they might know his market is not going to be as high as Orlando Brown Jr. in his camp thinks it's going to be. Now, a team could come out of nowhere who has a lot of money, a team like Chicago, former Chiefs um, relation with Ryan Poles as a GM, say, we have a lot of money. We want to protect fields. We'll give you a, a way more money than the Chiefs or any other teams we're going to offer. That could happen. But as Orlando Brown Jr. want to go, 
to Chicago on a bad team after you just tasted success? That's interesting. He does seem to be a little bit about his money, but this is where the Chiefs situation comes into play here. Here are the list of free agents in 2023 for left tackle. Orlando Brown Jr., Taylor Lewan, Eric Fisher, Kelvin Beecham, Jason Peters, Dakota Do- uh, Dakota Do- uh, Dozier. Is that a good list to you? It's not a great list. No, it's a horrible list. Taylor Lewan <laughs> might be the, the best of those guys, and he's been injured the past three seasons. Yeah. You're going to trust a dude who's been injured the past three years to all of a sudden take over. I'm not. You trust in 41-year-old Jason Peters? What about Eric Fisher, who's also been perpetually injured? Went to Miami last year. What happened? Got hurt again. There's no good answer. You think you're going to draft a guy at 31, and he's going to make an immediate impact at left tackle, a week one, game one starter? Probably not. Probably not, right? The Chiefs are between a rock and a hard place right now. You're playing hardball, if you will, with Orlando Brown Jr. Saying, we're not going to bring you back. And I am, for one, saying, you don't pay the guy elite money. You don't pay him Trent Williams money just because he feels like he wants it. Sure, I want that money too. I'm not going to get it. But you are stuck between a rock and a hard place, and the Chiefs have to have a contingency plan in place. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's going to be some splashy move for Laramie Tunsil. You're, then you're doubling down basically the same decision you made with Orlando Brown Jr. I, I don't know what happens here. What What do you think? Best case scenario, what happens? I mean, they they got to bring him back. You got to you, you got to protect Patrick Mahomes. You got you got to protect the biggest asset not only on the team, the biggest asset in the NFL. I say pay up. Mm. I th- I think Orlando Brown Jr. I think money is important for him. I don't. Buy into, I think there's very few players that will take a, a a pay cut to stay on a winning team. I just I just think I think that's a myth about most NFL players is in the because that's what NFL players say. They say they want to win. Uh, I don't think that's the case for most of them. They want as as much money as possible. If the Chiefs got to pay up, I think Tyreek Hill is a guy last year that they that they could afford to replace with other pieces. You can make good receivers good with Patrick Mahomes, or you can make average receivers good with Patrick Mahomes. You can't make average offensive linemen good with Patrick Mahomes. You've got to pay up. Well, I think Orlando Brown Jr. might find out the hard way. How good is he really at left tackle? Because you look at Mahomes, you look at the pressures given up. Obviously, the pressure numbers are going to be high. They drop back more than any other team in the NFL. But the percentage rate wasn't great as well for Orlando Brown Jr. The sack numbers are fine. Because Mahomes is a magician back there. He gets out of sacks. He he throws the ball away early. He extends plays. He's very pocket aware, and he moves the pocket a lot. The Chiefs also gave Olerna Brown Jr. a lot of help last year. You don't see elite left tackles getting a lot of help and then getting paid like an elite left tackle. My one concern is, not even concern, my one comp would be Trent Brown for the New England uh, Patriots. Trent Brown feels very similar right now, where the Patriots let him walk, he went to, was it the Raiders? He struggled. Where is he back yeah. now? Back now in New England on a team-friendly deal. I could see a very similar situation happening with Orlando Brown Jr. where a team overpays. They go, oh, bleep, what do we do? They cut him after a couple of years. He comes back to KC on a relatively team-friendly deal. That seems like a good comp. Orlando Brown Jr. and Trent Brown. 
I like it. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, moving on to into the future. Number four, how good will the Jaguars offense be next year? Calvin Ridley reinstated by the NFL. They franchise tagged Evan Ingram, obviously Christian Kirk still under contract. Doug Peterson got the best out of Trevor Lawrence last year and they uh, really showed some progression who would have thought when you get an actual guy, actual head coach, not a dude who's out there trying to party with college chicks uh, in Urban Meyer? Uh, what, what's your take on the Jags offense this year? I got a lot of hope for the Jags offense. I put top six offense in the NFL. Uh, I think they're going to be extremely good. And if you just look at yards per play last year, they're ninth in the NFL in yards per play. So strictly just from that perspective, they're already a top 10 offense. I think they become a top six offense. Uh, they have a great offensive line in terms of pass protection. They are fifth in QB sacked percentage. They did a great job of protecting Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Lawrence also, don't forget, Trevor Lawrence, even in the first half of last season, didn't look good. It took him a season and a half for him to finally look like the Trevor Lawrence that people expected. So now, hopefully, he can take that second half momentum into next year and play a full season at that level. Uh, obviously, now he, he'll have a second year under the same system, under the same head coach. That's going to help. Uh, they have a lot of things going in their direction, in their favor, that I think is going to boost them up to, I say, a top six offense. Now, I will say, Calvin Ridley, a lot of people are very excited for Calvin Ridley, rightfully so. Very talented, skilled wide receiver. People forget about Calvin Ridley, which I would say is something they need to keep an eye on and something you might want to be concerned about. Is people forget this happened because of the whole gambling thing that resulted in his suspension. But before that happened, he just stopped playing for the Falcons and it never really came out exactly why he said he was just taking time off for personal reasons. There was a couple games earlier in the year. He was taken off for injury, but it was like a mystery injury. And then halfway through the season, he just stopped playing for personal reasons. Now, maybe those personal reasons were legitimate, but it's never come out exactly what those personal reasons are. Uh, so that does bring a question mark to me that if things don't start going right, in Jacksonville, maybe they get off to a slow start. Is Calvin Ridley going to keep playing? Is he going to, you know, is he going to be a, a leader in that locker room or is he going to fold like he did in Atlanta? Once again, I do want to say the caveat. Maybe it was very real, legitimate personal issues, but I don't know. All I know is he stopped playing for Atlanta behold, bef well before the whole gambling story came out. So I do think people need to pump their brakes a little bit on Calvin Ridley. Yeah, and that's a good point because you are obviously an Atlanta guy. You you know more than us. Uh, that was a weird situation that somewhat got swept under the rug, as you mentioned, because of the betting issue. Also, a dude playing or being off an entire year. That that's tough. Like yes. it's not just as simple as you're coming back and you're you're now fully ready to go. I know it wasn't injury related, but still, a full season off is a lot of games to miss. That's a lot of time off. Will the game uh, be too fast for him now? Um, I had him, the Jaguars as top eight. And I think top six, I wanted to get there. But when I said top eight, I have the Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Eagles. Those four for sure, right? Would you agree with those four? Yes. I think those four, I don't think many people can question those four. Okay. Uh, now we get into, do you think the Miami Dolphins, if Tua Tugvalo is back and healthy, do you think the Miami Dolphins, who had a really good offense last year when he was there, do you think they would be above the Jags? Yeah, I think they're five and then Jag and then Jaguars six. And then Jags. So that's that was my first five right there. I had the Chargers, the Cowboys, the Niners, 
the Vikings and the and the uh, the Rams as the other question marks. Those were question marks for me. The Rams with Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup back, they could be a lot better. I know they were horrendous this year, but they won a Super Bowl with those guys. The offensive line is a disaster up there, but they could be a little better. Now, I will say I think the Jags will be better than the Vikings. I have them better than the Rams. Uh, it comes down to Chargers, Cowboys, and Niners for me. They're probably going to be better than yeah. the Cowboys. So I think they're probably about top eight. That's why I have them sliding in. I think that's fair. All right, Ian, let's play a new game. It's called Quick Hitters, in okay. or out, all right? In or out, you say yes, in or out, and then you give a little uh, little description why. Okay. Zeke is on the Cowboys next year, in or out. Oh, Tony Pollard's a much better running back statistically. Basically, every single analytic you want to look at, he's the much better running back, and they're overpaying him. But then again, and this is going against the, the game, uh, in because uh, Jerry Jones is too stubborn to admit admit his mistake, and he's just going to keep playing him. So I've just talked myself out of vote. Now I'm in on Zeke being on the I'm the same way. Jerry Jones is trying to build a team like it was in the 90s. He's right. like, well, we had success in the 90s. That has to be the only way to win. He keeps trying this, and he keeps failing. He overpaid Zeke. He franchise tagged Tony Pollard now. But Zeke's still under contract. Sure, you can cut him and save some money, but how much is that really helping you? They might try and restructure, and I feel like that's probably the best way they go about it. They probably try doing what the Chiefs did with Frank Clark with that massive cap hit uh, this past year, restructure it instead of releasing. I think the same thing happens with Zeke. They restructure his deal. Uh, In or out, quick hitter number two. Fields will take a massive leap forward passing for the Chicago Bears next season. Out. Um, the Bears are cursed and never have a good quarterback. Just like the Falcons are cursed and never have a good pass rusher, the Bears are cursed and never have a good quarterback. I just don't see. I don't. I don't see what they're going to do to lead to Justin Fields taking a step forward. Uh, I'm also out. I want to believe in Justin Fields. He was actually better than I thought he was going to be this past season. But when you watch the games, he's a great runner, but. I just don't see it. I just right. don't see him taking the next step. Uh, they tried bringing in some more receivers. That's always been a knock against the Bears and, and Justin Fields and his progression was, sure, but he's not throwing to anyone. You know, Cole Komet was a fine tight end. Sure, he wasn't elite. They went in and got the guy from Pittsburgh. He was a fine wide receiver in Pittsburgh, but what did he do in Chicago? Darnell Mooney got injured last year, so sure, that didn't help things, but – I just have not seen anything from Justin Fields that screams, oh, yeah, that's a guy who's going to take a step forward. I've been on record saying I don't think the Bears should be completely out of drafting Bryce Young. If you think your ceiling with Justin Fields is barely making the playoffs, but you think your ceiling with Bryce Young is much higher, you have to go with the higher ceiling. I know it's going to be unpopular. I know it's not fun. I know it's one of the situations where you have not seen enough from Justin Fields to get a good understanding but if you think Bryce Young is that guy, you have to make that decision. I'm all about not settling into mediocrity. Mediocrity just, just destroys you. You think you're good enough, but in reality, you are not. I'm not saying Justin Fields won't take the next step. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I'm just not buying into the hype. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals did it a few years ago when they had Josh Rosen, and then they still drafted Kyler Murray. Now, mm-hmm. it looked like that was a smart move. I don't know if. Kyler Murray's the guy anymore, but 
yeah, it's been done before. Uh, let's do quick hitter number three. Jets are just a legit QB away from a deep playoff run in or out. In. Even last season with no quarterback, I was still on shows saying the Jets might make a deep run. I think I even bet on them to win the AFC at one point. Uh, yeah, and I mentioned this earlier, their defense was an elite defense. Top one, top two defense in the NFL. Second in opponent yards per play. Second in opponent points per game. Uh, had a great pass rush. Great pass defense. Uh, teams could run on them a bit, but still. Uh, yeah, if they, get, if they get a good quarterback, also with Brees Hall coming back, uh, if he's healthy for this year, uh, the Jets could make a deep playoff run. Now, it's going to be tough because the AFC is so loaded. I mean, even even an extremely good team is going to be hard to go in a deep playoff run, but they'll they'll be in the mix if they get a quarterback. Yeah, I'm with you. We're, we're three for three right now, Ian. We're, we're, we're green right now. I, I, I was the same way, same boat as you. The Jets, their defense is just so legitimately good, and they have good weapons, surprisingly good weapons. Their offensive line is talented. Uh, my one concern defensively would be Quinnen Williams. He's going to want a new contract. He's going to want a new contract. Don't think he's playing on uh, what this is fourth year, right? Which is, I think, I looked at just up as around eleven million. He's going to want more than that. He's going to want an extension. Will he hold yeah. out? What happens there? That's something to watch as far as the Jets' defense. But I'm with you. I think the Jets do make the playoffs and do make a deep run all right trey lance starts the most games for the 49ers next year in or out out uh i think i mean it all i mean it's so many unknown factors are they going to sign another quarterback is brock purdy going to be healthy enough for the start of the season because there have been reports saying it's going to be like a full calendar year for him to come back others are saying he'll be ready by the start of the season um so i guess we're, we're guessing on a lot of different factors here uh, but I'll say out. I'll I'll say Brock Purdy's ready somewhat early in the season, and he ends up starting the most games. I'm doubling down on my decision last year. I am all in. Last okay. year, my hot my hot take last year was Trey Lance ends the year as a top ten MVP candidate. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was I was way. It's a hot take. Okay, I'm not I'm not trying to be mild. I we're talking. We're talking. Hey, I love a good hot take. It was Keep habanero. It was habanero. Then he got hurt. And he also didn't look very good. But I like Trey Lance. I, I liked him coming out of college. I said of any of the quarterbacks, he had the highest upside. I know I hate comparing young quarterbacks to elite quarterbacks, but I like to compare him to Josh Allen. The, the height, he's not as big as Josh Allen, right? Not as big, but the arm strength. At times, you saw the accuracy issues, but he's a great runner and a strong runner. Trey Lance takes the 49ers offense to the next level. They've seen what happens with Jimmy G and Brock Purdy. You can get there. I mean, they may have made the Super Bowl this year if they would have had been a, had a, a healthy average to below average quarterback. But what they have not had is a quarterback who can also run the ball. They're a team focused on the run. You add the wrinkle of Trey Lance being able to run as well as checking the ball down. That's what they want. They don't care necessarily if Trey Lance can make the big deep ball because Jimmy G and Brock Purdy couldn't either. You want a guy who's accurate and can also keep the defense on their toes. I think Trey Lance does that. Trey Lance takes the Niners to the next level. And for that reason, I think Trey Lance starts the most games next year. Okay. So, so let me ask you this though, because Brock Purdy didn't actually lose his job. I guess both guys, neither guys lost their job. They're both hurt. If they're Brock Purdy and Trey Lance are healthy at the start of the year, you think they start Trey Lance? I think so. All right. I think so. I, I, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's not a, uh, a great story. 
But if you watch those games, you saw him under pressure. It was a disaster. It wasn't good. I, I don't think Brock Purdy was the difference maker for that team. I don't think he was. I don't think he was better than Jimmy G. Again, I think they're trying I, I don't feel to do strongly one way or the other. So I feel strongly. We'll I'm, I'm a huge Trey Lance guy, and I will I will die on this hill. I don't know. All are right. you a baseball guy at all? I'm a baseball guy. Do you know Alberto Mondesi? I do not. He was a Royals guy. He was always known for having the highest upside, just insane upside, but perpetually got hurt. I was on the hill for five years that Mondesi was going to be a superstar. He finally got traded to Boston this year. I will be on the, the Trey Lance is going to be a superstar train until five years from now when he proves me wrong. Until that day, I'm a Trey Lance supporter. That's, that's where I'm going with this. All right. Uh, let's do another quick hitter. 40-yard dash is pointless for offensive linemen, in or out. In, I guess, if that means that I think it's pointless. To be honest, I think it's pointless for most positions. I think it's the most overrated measuring tool at the NFL Combine, especially now that, like, players train specifically to have a good 40 time. I think it makes sense for like receivers and maybe corners. That's it. Why are offensive linemen? You saw a guy uh, yesterday or the day before or over the weekend. I don't know when it was like blew his hamstring running it. What? When are offensive linemen sprinting 40 yards down the middle of the field? It never happens. It's stupid. They should run like the, the shuttle drill. Obviously important. All those quick feet types of things. Yeah, super important. The 40-yard dash. I don't think offensive linemen need to run it. I don't think quarterbacks need to run it. I don't even think running backs, it's that important, to be completely honest. How often does a running back get a 40, 40 yards of wide open field in front of them and it's just a sprint? Sometimes. But I'd much rather I'd much rather a, a quick running back with quick uh, lateral movement than someone with vertical speed. And how much does it really matter? How much is that four or right. five compared to four or four going to make that much of a difference? I'm with you. I know folks try to point out that, you know, when you're blocking downfield, when you're trying to, when you throw an interception, you're trying to get the, the cornerback, right? Is that worth it? Is that, is that the, the one time a year? <laughs> like I'm out on that. I'm with yeah, you. 40 yard dash to me is the most overrated uh, combine event. You it's fun to watch, though. You can't tell me that general managers, when they're like deciding between two offensive linemen to draft, at the, like on draft day, and they're like, ah, these two guys are pretty close. Oh, but this guy ran 0.5 second or 0.05 second 40 yard dash. Let's go with this guy instead. There's no way. Uh, I'll also point out Deontay Johnson, pretty fast in the NFL, right? You would say Deontay Johnson, fast dude. Yeah. For the, for the Steelers? Yeah. Very quick, right? Four He's five. Fast. Four five. Yeah. Which is so not the 40 yard, it's not fast. No. If you look at the 40 yard dash, I'm not fast, but he's fast in action. John yes. Ross, 422. Darius Hayward Bay, he ran something insane. 40 yard dash is fun to watch. It's entertaining, but I don't see the point. I just don't see it. I agree. All right, Ian, this one's for you, okay? We yep. always made fun of Vertoram for being from New York. Uh, it was great. We got everyone to believe that it was an actual Boston accent because that just drove him insane. But since you are Canadian, you yes. have a slight you have a slight accent. Okay, there's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. I, I'm sure you think I have a, a a stupid accent being from Kansas City from the Midwest. I'm sure you you think I sound like a buffoon. But I want to know something. Hey, don't shake your head. Don't give me a little. <laughs> Come on. 
listen, I realize I have an accent and not only, and here's one thing I'll say about Canadian accents, not to go on a little side tangent here. Um, but people always say the Canadian accent, there's several accents in Canada. People who lit, who are from Ontario and Canada, like Toronto, like the, the big province, the big area, they think I, my accent's insane because I'm actually from the East coast. I have an East coast Canadian accent. So there are several different types of Canadian accents and mine is, uh, one of the stronger types would be East Coast Canadian accent. My Nova Scotian accent specifically, because you could even go East Coast and say a Nova Scotia accent is different from a Newfoundland accent, different from a Prince Edward Island accent, different from a New Brunswick accent. So uh, there are a lot of different Canadian accents. Mine is specifically a Nova Scotian accent. Well, it's fair because you, you would say the same thing in the United States, New York, Boston. Right. Uh, you, you keep going on the East Coast, it gets a little South Carolina. You know, you start getting the draws coming out. It's the same way, but yes. we don't know as much. Come on. We're, we're not going to pretend to know as much here in the Midwest about, about Canadian accents. Does milk actually come from a bag in Canada? I've always wanted to know this. It does exist. Yes. It's, it's not the only way to buy milk growing up. It's usually like, if you have a family, it's cheaper uh, to buy milk in a bag, but yeah, it, it does come in bags. So families have uh, like at their home, like a, a milk bag holder and has a handle on it. And you usually buy bags of milk in packs of three and you put the bag of milk into the holder and then you like cut the tip of it and you just pour it just like you, you normally would. That's how I drink milk growing up. I never thought it was strange until I moved here. And all of a sudden, like Americans have like a uh, like a, they think it's hilarious that bag milk exists in Canada. It does yeah, exist. It's wild to me. It, it, it just blows my mind. That and gravy on fries. That seems like a good decision, though. Poutine uh, seems poutine. like a good, good cheese good. curds, gravy, and fries. I yeah. see Luttrell in the chat says, I need to hear Ian say Timu. Why, why Timu? Timu Solani, the hockey player? I don't know. You'll have to explain that one. Shout that's out Timu Solani, though. That's over my head. That's over my head right now. All right. What's going on with you? So we do a thing where what's going on? We do something that's coming up in our week. What just happened in our week? Something fun. What's going on with Ian McMillan? Uh, well, the, uh, I am going, I live in New York. I will likely be going to, uh, cause obviously it's college basketball season. I know this is a NFL show, a football show. It's college basketball conference tournament season. The big East tournament is here at Madison square garden. As long as I'm not still sick by Friday, I'll be there for the two semifinal games Friday night. I'm very excited for that. I love college basketball. It's a great time of year for college basketball with March madness coming up. Uh, so yeah, that is what I got going on. I'm going to go watch some big East college basketball action. Mm, loved watching big East college basketball growing up. I'm a Mizzou guy as I'm rocking the Shakespeare's pizza shirt. Uh, Mizzou got the four seed in the sec turning some head. Dennis Gates has this program turned around. Uh, but I'm going to Chicago heading to Chicago with my girlfriend Thursday through Sunday. Uh, we're going to go see a concert at a dive bar. It's a small band called Winston Surf Shirt. They're from Australia, and it's their Ooh. first time, the first tour in the United States, I should say. I don't know if it's the first time. That'd be a pretty bold statement for me. First tour in the United States. So we're heading up there, and I'm really looking forward to it. Fun. Are you a big yeah. concert goer? Oh, huge concert guy. I'm actually going up to uh, Chicago in May to see Blink-182 with Verdra. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Join jealous. us, dude. Blink-182 Blink is a soundtrack to my, of my adolescence, man. I love Blink-182. How old are you? 30. Okay, I'm 28. 
28. So we're close. There you go. We're close. See, Latrell, we love Latrell here. He's a very nice dude. He says, I'm a Mizzou fan, except for when it comes to Nick Bolton. I hate the guy. I love Nick Bolton. It became an ongoing joke, an ongoing joke about how I don't like the linebacker Nick Bolton. I love Nick Bolton. I will support Nick Bolton with my whole entire heart. Any Mizzou player, I support Drew Locke with my whole entire heart. Blaine Gabbert, Chase Daniel, okay, Alden Smith, I don't know. He did some things that I don't think I can get behind. Justin Smith, though, I sure can. Before we get out of here, since you are an Atlanta Falcon guy, edge rusher Lorenzo Carter re-signed to the Falcons on a two-year deal. Is this a big get for Atlanta? No. <laughs> that does nothing for me. <laughs> no. That's that's that's... that's not going to get me going. That's not going to get me up in the morning. That's not uh, not getting you up. Not no. that one. He had four sacks last year. Oh, four sacks. Listen, like I said earlier, the Bears are cursed, never going to quarterback. We're cursed, never going to pass rusher. It's never going to happen. I don't care who we sign. I don't care who we draft. We got Vic Beasley one year at a decent season, then he stunk. We just can't <laughs> get a pass rusher. It's not going to happen. Oh, that's what I wanted. No, it's not Lamar Jackson signing with Atlanta like you were hoping. Lorenzo Carter, baby. Lorenzo Carter. Don't care. <laughs> Ian McMillan. Follow him on Twitter at Ian McBets. I am Sterling Holmes. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to drop us a review, we'd really appreciate Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday. Until then, we are out. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbird styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.